Hello, ako si Das Gavilan. Kayo ay nakikinig sa bagong Rappler Podcast episode kung saan himayin natin ang mga may init at mahalagang isyu sa Pilipinas. Ito ang Rappler's News Break, Beyond the Stories. Dumating na tayo sa huling episode for 2020 kung saan babalikan natin ang mga isyong hinarap ni Presidente Rodrigo Duterte nitong nakaraang taon. Anong mga kontrobersiya ang nag-define sa Duterte administration nitong 2020? Anong epekto ng pandemya sa gobyerno o sa paraan ng pamumuno ng Pangulo? Kasama ko ngayon si Pia Renada, Rappler's Malahanyang Reporter para talakayin ang sagot sa mga tanong na ito at kung anong dapat abangan sa 2021. Hi Pia, thank you for joining me today. Hi Judy! So, medyo undami kong tanong. So, I'm forecasting na mahaba tong podcast na to eh. So, Pia, you've covered the president for more than four years now. Or maybe five mm-hmm. if you begin sa campaign season, no? How would you describe 2020? Siguro through the lens of your coverage of the president and Malahanyang. I think sa 2020, mas naging prominent yung unraveling mm-hmm. ng Pangulo. Kasi um, this crisis, the pandemic, a health crisis, marami siyang... Aspects. It's a very multifaceted problem. It's like a multi-headed beast. So any government could fall. It could really expose a lot of weaknesses and gaps in any government. I guess yung government in Duterte, particularly prone siya dun. Kasi you have a president who has never, it was never his strong point to kind of be able to grapple with deep-seated, complicated problems like this. See, Duterte kasi more of an instinctive leader, more of someone who is good at spectacle using spectacle using mm. using words and language and parang the strength of his personality to get something done yung kanyang mm. campaign promise nga a lot of it has to do with enforcement diba with parang iron-fisted governance parang yun yung kanyang narrative yun yung kanyang selling point but a crisis mm-hmm. like a health crisis na pandemic which requires not just enforcement it's not it's really not just an enforcement problem but really something to do with science, may science aspect, may data aspect to it. And these things hindi masyadong gamay ni Duterte. And I think 2020 revealed a lot of the weaknesses in his kind of leadership, in his style of leadership. And we really saw him struggling to gain a foothold with this kind of problem. And I'll ask you later about the pandemic, no? Pero I think for me, next question, siguro if you compare this year, 2020, kasi di ba for many, this year was that year, para ang daming nangyaring guro sa personalize nila. But with the Duterte administration, If you compare this to the four years, the past four years, saan mo siya ilalagay? Parang ito na ba yung worst of the worst or peak na to ng kaguluhan? Actually, especially for Malacanang reporters, yung 2020, noticeably less work siya in terms of events covering Duterte. Like, noong 2016, 2017, you would see Duterte giving speeches four or five times a day. Sa 2020, as in once a week na lang siya halos nagsasalita. And malaking difference yon for malaking reporters like myself kasi kitang-kita mo na parang in a way nag-wind down or nagle-lessen talaga yung activity ni Duterte. Even his exposure to media, his name being on the headlines the way it used to be every day magsasalita siya. So every day may bagong headline na naman or some shocking thing he said or some parang off-the-cuff remark, some joke some controversial policy. Palaging halos every day may ganong announcement. Lahat tayo waiting for, for what he will say. But Parang nowadays, nagiging wider or less information from Malacanang about his whereabouts, what he's mm-hmm. doing, what he's thinking. So we find ourselves more of guessing what he's doing, what he's thinking. Hindi na ganun ka, uh, what you see is what you get. Now, it's also giving more room for speculation for more people to to wonder what he's up to. 
Um, and I guess yun yung pinaka-sticking point or the thing that makes 2020 very different in terms of covering Duterte. Yun talaga yung less uh-huh. activities. Pia, you mentioned nga na more secretive nga si Presidente ngayon. So how does this government or at least people around him work na how do you get your information na given na hindi siya, unlike before, di ba na minsan talaga sa kanya mo nakukuha or kay, kay Sap doon. Pero ngayon, like, do you see them, like, with the how secretive the president is na medyo malayo sa limelight ngayon, do you see the people around him working harder, like, to fill in the gaps? For sure, mas visible yung mga coronavirus task force officials. Like, si Carlito Galvez, who is the vaccine czar, but also the chief implementer of the national plan against COVID-19. Siya yung pinaka, I would say, visible government figure now. Number one, because the pandemic is the biggest government effort. And also because siya talaga yung feature na Malacanang press cons. Siya yung very regular guest ni Harry Roque. And si Roque isa pa yun. Si Roque now, mas, mas visible siya. Kasi, syempre, without Duterte giving his weekly addresses, parang more, yung mga press cons ni Harry Roque is becoming more important as a source. Mm-hmm. One of the few sources of information about Duterte. So, like, minsan it's really even in the, in the press cons where we reporters find out na, ah, may cabinet meeting pala siya this week, or, ah, nag-meeting pala si president with this group, like, the other day. And si Roque kasi may onting access siya kay Duterte, so nagiging, kumbaga, one of the ways we can confirm, like, things about Duterte. It's through Roque. Kasi nga, kami, we don't hear Duterte speak as much when before, siya na mismo magkoconfirm ng mm-hmm. mga appointments niya or yung mga policies niya in his own speech. And parang, uh, kanina mo parang or saan mo i-attribute itong parang pagkalayo ni Duterte sa limelight na yun nga, noticeably ang, ang tahimik nga niya this year. So parang, mm-hmm. I, I think, meron ka speculations or among your peers sa Malahanya reporters, parang, or at least ba nasasabi sa inyo ng government officials kung bakit ganun na yung parang scenario? Mm. When I asked recently Harry Roque kung bakit hindi na regular yung cabinet meeting sa Duterte kasi usually once a month yun eh. Pero ngayon, like nung November, wala. And I think a few months before, especially nung height of the pandemic, walang monthly cabinet meetings. And sinabi ni Roque, it's because of the pandemic because yun, Duterte refuses or I don't know, can't do Zoom meetings. Diba? Kasi you'd think, pandemic hindi naman excuse yun not to meet kasi we have the Senate, diba, holding Zoom meetings instead of physical meetings for like budget hearings, for example. So, pero iba yung sa Malacanang kasi si Duterte, unlike other officials, hindi siya ganun ka used to online conferences. Hindi niya, hindi niya type masyado mag, mag-virtual conference. So, yung mga cabinet meeting, like when talking about full cabinet meeting, nangyayari lang talaga siya pag may physical meetings na pwede. And only recently, nag-start lumuwag yung palace na magka- physical meetings. But uh-huh. I wouldn't just blame it on the pandemic eh, kasi it's easy to just say that. It's like a kind of um, an acceptable reason, right? If, uh-huh. if you think about it. But it's not just that kasi even before the pandemic naman, nakita rin namin na less and less ina-announce sa media yung schedule ni Duterte. Parang nagka-rule, the first time na nag-lessen yung access namin into his schedule was when uh, we found out that apparently we, we weren't anymore getting the time and the details of his events that aren't open to the media. Kasi uh-huh. before, lahat ng events, kahit private meetings, kahit hindi, hindi maka-cover ng private media, sinasabihin kami, like, FYI, magkaka-meeting siya with so-and-so ambassador. Pero now, nag-change yung rule na, ah, yung maka-cover lang ng media, yun yung pwedeng sabihan ng ang media about about it. So, uh-huh. kung may ano lang siya, kung may, um, like, uh, destruction of drug paraphernalia in Cavite, 
and syempre open yun to media kasi public event yun, yun lang yung mga kinds of events na pwede naming malaman. Mm-hmm. Whereas yung mga private meetings niya, parang we no longer know when that happens. And that, I remember that that rule began when si Duterte missed a PAGCOR event in Malacanang for an inexplicable reason. I think this was in 2018, I forget, or 2019. Basta parang in those times na, in those days na nagkakahaka-haka about his health, na he, you know, he vomited daw, or parang mm-hmm. he, may mga news rumors about him going to the hospital. Um, and yun, nangyari yung he skipped inexplicably a PAGCOR event and no one in Malacanang could explain why. If it was a health-related uh, reason, nobody nobody could say. But from then on, nagka-rule talaga yung Malacanang staff na, ah, ilalimit na yung yung mga events na oh. sasabihin niya. Parang, I wanted to ask din na siguro two, two things. Uh, una siguro, itong parang sa context ng pandemic. So, yun nga yung sa cabinet meetings and sa IITF meetings, monthly and weekly. Anong parang immediate effect ito sa pandemic decision making? And then second siguro, in the whole setup, like to tell you, like black access, parang medyo mahirap siyang hagilapin, minsan walang awareness or alam yung yung government officials how how to tell you these things anong effect nito sa reporting niyo and also siguro sa access of to information well yung effect ng meetings na yon to the pandemic response i would say that Duterte's meetings kasi may may Duterte meeting with IATF officials mm-hmm. where you see it diba yung mapapakiting ibang parts eh, na basically it's just Duterte asking the task force officials to report for like 10 minutes or so about what they're doing. Tapos magsasalita siya uh-uh. about his, you know, whatever is bothering him. But yung, actually that, those meetings, may effect lang yun really when, it doesn't, actually doesn't really have that much of an effect on the pandemic response because yung mga usually big news na lumalabas dun are actually Duterte's rants about like, like let's say Vice President Lenny Robredo and about yung mga red tagging, etc. Usually, yung laman na mga meetings na yun, the meetings that actually do make a difference are those where Duterte isn't really present. <laughs> actually, yung mga amendment of omnibus um, guidelines, yun yung, mga, yung parang substantial, kumbaga, in, in other words, substantial discussions happen actually without him there because it's um, the officials like deciding kung ano yung i-recommend na quarantine classification. Tapos si Duterte, parang siya lang yung nagde-decide every month kung ano yung change next month sa quarantine classification. Or meron lang siya sasabihin na opinion niya about testing or about a politician. And we don't really, really even know about the more substantial meetings kasi na-overshadow siya by the highly politicized speeches of Duterte. Parang ano, parang siya, yung napalit ko sa mga public speech yung talk to the nation tawag na, parang siya moderator lang, no? na parang, oh, ikaw na, oh. ikaw na. Then may parang synthesis siya sa dulo, pero more on exactly. runs niya. So, oh. parang, so, Pia, given na yung mga ganyan nangyayari, ikaw, how would you rate yung government's response to the pandemic? I would say that it's caught up in a way, it's we're not in a terrible position now uh, than we were in the first few months where talagang halatang nagsa-struggle tayo with testing, with quarantine classifications, like how to balance it with the need for for livelihoods, protecting, you know, the most vulnerable from things like hunger. Malaking suffering yung nangyari in those months. We've had kind of a breather in a way because aside from the government, being able to catch up with events, diba? being able to ramp up very very important aspects of the response the people themselves parang na inculcate na rin natin yung yung mga health protocols parang we're able to kind of live like tolerably in this scenario while waiting for a vaccine i guess now yung yung pinaka critique of how things are going is we're not seeing radical 
creative, innovative solutions to the pandemic. Kumbaga parang Duterte isn't giving us that. Yung parang decisive kind of radical solution that will make a big impact. Kasi right now, he does make crucial decisions, pero it gets bogged down bureaucracy. And it's sad also that Duterte himself, parang hindi niya masyadong nagigets yung bureaucratic backlog for all his promises of cutting red tape. I think to really do that, he needs to have a better understanding of the system itself. And sadly, Duterte just does not have that grasp of those deep problems that need reform. And when I say reform, it's not just yung mga rants niya about corrupt officials or officials taking too long to process something. It's not that. Eh. Kasi hindi yun systematic. Alam mo yun? Parang papagalitan mo yung official. Pero at the end of the day, what will really make the machine work better is if you fix the components, diba? the system, make things more efficient. And I think so far, Duterte hasn't really shown any radical solution, creative solution to really turn the situation around. Kumbaga, parang we're just surviving. But oh. what's parang interesting for me, or at least confusing then, is the people around him may mga matagala sa government. Parang mayroong mga, may mga magagaling sa, around him. Hindi pa siya sinasabihan, like yung mga kakulangan niya. Especially sa labi mo kanina na parang lack of understanding sa bureaucratic processes. Parang wala pa nag, parang nag-set aside sana sabihin niya na parang, uy, teka lang, parang hindi ata ganyan kadali ang gusto mong mangyari. May mga people in the cabinet who actually do that. And these are mostly the lawyers in his cabinet who, they don't, it's not really criticism kasi nobody will criticize Duterte except for maybe Sonny Dominguez. But siguro they will come up with a, a way to say that something is not as Duterte would want it or would expect it. Meaning parang may konting kailangan i-adjust sa kanyang gustong gawin. Mm-hmm. And this would be couched in terms of like suggestions na, ah, Mr. President, maybe we should do this instead or baka ganito na lang kasi may ganitong problema. May nangyayaring ganun from the lawyers in his mm-hmm. cabinet. Problem is, in terms of the pandemic, the ones who are in charge are generals. They're ex-military oh. who, di ba, yung kanilang thinking is whatever the commander says, yun yung tama. And hindi ako mag-act unless may blessing ng up ng aking commander-in-chief. So, sila, I think, they tend to wait talaga for Duterte to speak his mind. They tend huh. to follow talaga whatever he will say. And, I guess, nasa training na rin nila yun. And, ano eh, parang, ganun, ganun talaga yung, in, in, in fact, that's why Duterte put them there kasi he thinks na hmm. no ifs, no buts, gagawin nila yung gusto niya. And that's why, parang, di ba, he's been courting them like over the years. Yes. So, given all that, Pia, siguro, my next question, I wanted to ask you, what do you think is the biggest flaw of the government now that was highlighted by the pandemic? And do you think na it's still fixed about this point or too late na given na, okay, parang medyo deep in sa pandemic and also two years na lang left in the administration? Well, for me, two flaws. One is the inability of Duterte to really grasp a problem by the horns, but in a way that has a deeper understanding of the problem and may systematic way of addressing it, like strategy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yun, yun yung kulang. Parang a very comprehensive strategy. I think that the way Duterte has handled the pandemic so far, parang he waits for people to explain to him the concepts. And then he will try to find something in what they say na, ah, may alam ako dyan, ito, mm-hmm. gawin, gawin mo ito. Pero it's piecemeal eh. Mm-hmm. Hindi siya parang as a whole, how do we tackle this? When the pandemic, yung kanyang aspects are interrelated, like testing. You need testing to know kung gano'ng kalala yung pandemic. And you need to know gano'ng kalala yung pandemic to be able to prepare isolation facilities and how much 
swab testing you need. And at the same time, you already have to start preparing for vaccine programs. I mean, if you look at the way Vietnam, Indonesia has handled their pandemic, diba? maraming advanced thinking that went into it, maraming strategy that went into it, despite their scarcity in resources, in, in funding. Wala tayong ganun. And then the second problem would be very bad communication strategy. Mm-hmm. The fact na walang strategy or late siya by people under him and not by Duterte himself. There's a big difference. There's, there's a big repercussions if it's not Duterte calling the shots in terms of a big strategy. But the fact hindi na communicate properly, inconsistent talaga, like maraming hindi nasabi in a calm, kind of structured way. Right now, in a crisis, people are looking for that. Looking for predictability, looking for structure, looking for a plan. And even if the other, like the underlings of Duterte, they might be able to articulate a plan. Mm-hmm. But let's face it, People don't listen to those guys. We report it. We report what they say. But at the end of the day, it's Duterte's words that will really determine how people view a pandemic response of the government. And when they hear Duterte rambling and unable to give a coherent bullet point plan of what's going to happen in the next few months, they start to question, ah, may plano ba talaga? Kasi bakit yung mga generals, they sound like they have a plan, but Duterte himself doesn't know it. So it creates this feeling that hindi siya whole of government approach kasi the man on top can't even articulate, right, the plan that his mm-hmm. underlings are talking about. So we worry, plan ba talaga yan? Kasi bakit si Duterte hindi niya alam? <laughs> so, para ito yung next question ko, tinatang ko palagi ito sa mga guests ko na baka naman merong silver lining. Pia, Meron ka ba nakita na strong feature ng Duterte administration na they were able to flex or nagamit nila this year? I think na Duterte's popularity and his iron-fisted approach or ano ba, like reputation, mm-hmm. it kind of helped in making sure people comply with things like mask wearing, face shields. I mean, we know that maraming violators, but on a whole, di ba? Like we have surveys, SWS and so forth, showing that Mataas naman yung compliance to these minimum health standards. And I think partly, that might be because at the very least, Duterte didn't politicize mask wearing. Mm-hmm. Like, di ba sa United States, Trump would refuse to wear a mask. Uh-huh. Parang if you're Republican, you don't wear a mask. May ganong political divide in mask wearing. But thankfully, Duterte really, kumbaga parang, put all of his popularity to use when he would, he would actively call naman for mask wearing and constantly saying na, ah, kailangan mag-ingat tayo, wag muna kayo lumabas. Diba nung lockdown, yun yung mga sinasabi niya. So, mm-hmm. I think naman, nag-work yun. Kasi, syempre, with his high popularity rating, and if you're someone who, for example, if you're a voter who believes in him and, you, and he tells you to wear a mask, you're going to wear a mask. So, I'm really thankful na, at the very least, consistent yung government in their messaging on like mask wearing and face shields. And I think that really helped get our coronavirus statistics Maybe not under control, but at least it's lower than it used to be. Mm-mm. And meron pang nangyari this year na related to the admin or the pandemic and the response to the government na na-surprise ka pa? Or parang hindi ka na na-surprise sa mga nangyayari ngayong taon? Aside from, the, of course, the pandemic, like if related to the Duterte admin, like his policies or the way he handled some issues? Hindi naman surprise, but a pleasant development, I would say, no. is how the pandemic have taught Duterte a lesson in diplomacy. Kasi nakita niya na, ah, importante pala yung preserving ties with with Western nations. Mm-hmm. If you remember, di ba, yung VFA abrogation, he uh-huh. stopped that in its tracks. And one of the reasons was the pandemic because he realized that it's not the right time to be cutting ties with a major superpower. 
And um, last week, when May speech siya, na he actually said na, ano, buti nga ngayon, nakalimutan na ng Canada and other nations yung ating alitan. Oh. Parang nakakalimutan na lang. And obviously, parang, I mean, at the very least, he sees that the pandemic is highlighting how ties with other nations are important and worth preserving. Kasi si Duterte medyo, di ba, dahil na early years of his presidency, he was very loose-tongued with how he would treat other nations. At parang, it was as if he would put his personal grievances and personal feelings of insult before the national interest of preserving ties in the interest of, di ba, that we might get help from these countries in the future. And ito na nga nangyari na nga, na oh. in the end, di ba, if those countries, di ba, parang took it as a very grave insult yung mga sinabi niya before, then we would be in very dire straits now. Kasi oh. they, they might, di ba, use that against us when it comes to getting a vaccine. So, I think that now he's realizing how global problems like a pandemic could humble him and make him make him parang see the the importance of kaya pa being diplomatic. So far, itong 2020 na pahadaming issues na parang yung dami nang nangyare parang good for six years na pero this is only one year. Parang I don't want to imagine how the next year would look like and since election season na. But before we go further into other issues, let's take a short break and listen to some Rappler podcast overviews. Next time, wag niya kung pariginagin ng revolution. Naku, Diyos ko. Yan ang mas delikado sa COVID. Eh, kung mag-revolution kayo, you will give me the free ticket to stage a counter-revolution. How I wish you would do it. Don't understand what President Rodrigo Duterte is saying? Want to know the story behind his words? Listen to Seat of Power, Rappler's political podcast about the Duterte presidency. Hosted by me, Piranada, Rappler's Malacanang beat reporter. May a lot of people, but not much a lot, but I know that there are some people who would happily use I'm polyamorous label to basically justify anything. Mm-hmm. To justify sleeping around, to justify not committing, but that flies in the face naman of how we see it. It's my choice not to be a mother, but I'm not, it's not dissing on, mothers, dissing yeah. on motherhood, uh, on parenthood. Like purely person-to-person basis. Uh-oh. I'm Marguerite Leon, host of Rappler's I've Got an Opinion, where I speak to ordinary people who have a lot to say about extraordinary issues. Listen in every other Wednesday at 8 p.m. on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. Hi, welcome back to Newsbreak Beyond the Stories. I am Jodesca Villan and I'm here with Pia Ranada. We've been talking about the president and the pandemic in 2020 and the issues that we have Pia, you have this in the published, I think last weekend, on how the pandemic changed politics. Uh, you cited parang several uh, items there. But can you tell us, zero briefly, Paano nga ba nagbago ang governance sa taon na ito dahil sa pandemya? Maraming ways. And in my in-depth, I mentioned nga a couple. And then, it's really basically, generally, parang mas naging dramatic. Parang more is at stake with mm-hmm. every government action. So, because of that, nag, mas nag-up yung ante into moves. Like, for example, yung political moves ni Cayetano and Velasco. I think mas nag-react si Duterte dun because that move endangered the 2021 budget which he really needed to get the country to recover from the pandemic. Talagang hina-highlight yun na Malacanang na, ay, red line ni Duterte to, itong 2021 budget. Hindi siya pwedeng compromise by any political moves. So, um, that's one way. Siyempre, we saw how Robredo and Duterte locked horns, right? Nagka-competition sila in terms of leadership. Whether or not Duterte will admit that there was a competition, there was. We, we saw them being compared consistently every step of the way how Robredo had a plan, whereas Duterte sounded like he didn't have a plan. Robredo was acted very swiftly in 
para mobilizing aid for not just typhoon victims but also even for health frontliners in the first part of the pandemic whereas si Duterte parang was still struggling to get a hold on the crisis. So, mas naging intense yung kanilang rivalry. Before we go sa other items that you mentioned, I wanted to focus on the clash nila ni VP Robredo and President Duterte. Do you think like this is all the president lang, like all coming from himself? Do you think like he's drawing yung sentiments din ng people around him, like his cabinet, his allies, regarding their animosity uh, with the vice president? I think definitely he draws from other people's frustrations kasi I'm pretty sure that he has shown tweets, he's shown mm. yung mga Facebook posts na mga critics niya, even um, mga rival politicians, opponents niya. And yung mga tao around him will tell him na, oh, Presidente, tinan mo to, yung nag-post si ganito, si ganyan. So, dun, dun na-feed yung kanyang galit. And then also, he watches the news. In the news, like, sa mga crawlers, whatever, sa mga news reports, kitang-kita naman yung mga ginagawa ni ni Vice President Lenny. So, to begin with, Duterte is already feeling insecure about any criticism, lalo na from the Liberal Party, di ba? Like, we've mm-hmm. seen him naman ever since na konting sabi ni Franklin Drillon, may rant, mahabang rant na naman si Duterte sa sauna. So, he's obviously very, very, very sensitive and must na-intensify pa yung kanyang sensitivity dahil nga yung pandemic and yung typhoons naging gut issues siya. He knew that people were really going to compare and mm-hmm. expecting certain leadership from him. And knowing Duterte, do you think na will there ever be a point in the next two years na maayos yung relationship ni Robredo and Duterte? Or hopeless case na ba? I think hopeless case na talaga. Kasi, <laughs> ano eh, parang si Duterte, yung kanyang personality, once he feels you've wronged him, mm. he will never forgive you. Wow. As in, hindi, hindi kanya kakausapin, hindi, wala na, parang kumbaga parang persona ng gata kanya. Ganun talaga siya. Parang may certain line that if you cross it, you can never return from that. So, plus the fact that Duterte himself has been frustrated with being locked up, diba? Parang, for me, yeah, the, the way I see it, like he's feeling insecure na mukha siyang ano, helpless. Kasi siya mismo, hindi siya pinapalabas ng PSG niya. Kasi, oh. syempre, vulnerable sector siya. Um, and presidente pa siya. And then when he sees Robredo like out and about, shaking hands with typhoon victims, parang nafe-feel niya na, siguro kinakompare ako, parang, oh, parang, they see Robredo doing that, well, I'm just here, stuck in Malacanang. So, and nafe-feed rin yun into that. And ano ba yung other things na nakita mo na how the pandemic changed governance? Well, for one thing, everything's virtual now. And even if that might sound like a small detail, it's not eh, because yung governance lala na yung interaction with the media with uh-huh. like reporters na wala yon so people feel more more emboldened to to just do what, what they want kasi hindi naman nakikita ng media hindi naman na hover and then and another thing is yung dynamics between national government and local government mas na intensify yon kasi nakita natin na may mga conflicts in the way mayors will run their city for example during a pandemic and the way the national government would want to uh-huh. we saw it in the Metro Manila mayors rejecting unanimously the proposal of Secretary Anyo, who's the national official, mm-hmm. to allow minors into malls. Mm-hmm. So, so yun yung isang one of the many examples lang wherein we could really see the local national dynamics come into play. And then the maraming mayors who stood out for their brand of leadership during the pandemic, especially when people compared their decisive leadership to what appears to be slow and delayed response of the national government. Diba? So, people like Rex Cachalian or Vico ah. Soto, these people really stood out. Hindi pa nakaka-feel na like, 
na apekto sa ego ng presidente or ng national government yung parang they're being compared to how LGUs are run like for example like Duterte is a long time mayor hindi ba parang wala ba parang gaharon ng animosity between the two may animosity I believe I've heard that may mga local officials who really get frustrated with the way national government is acting because in many things the, yeah. the local governments really have to wait for national government to act hindi sila makagalaw on many things like vaccine procurement or testing centers, di ba? Nagka-delays because an LGU, a city, wants to put up their own testing center but yung pala kailangan ng DOH approval, etc. So, definitely may mga friction doon. With Duterte naman, I don't think he really feels any sharp anger at any specific local official but I do think that he, he knows to a certain extent na the local officials have a certain level of autonomy rin talaga to act. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And siguro my next question, meron ka bang parang nakita na issue or incident na nangyari na you, na you think didn't get its deserved attention or should have been discussed deep in the public na dapat nabigyan more ng focus this year? Marami. But siguro mm-hmm. the foremost, I would say, would be pushing for access to Duterte Salen. I mean, we mm-hmm. did have lots of stories about that. But yun nga, because of the pandemic, ang hirap ilakarin yung ganong story, de ba? Oh. Like before, we, you could go to Malacanang and like ask for it from from Malacanang Records Office, and now we do that, but virtu- virtually email, and they reply naman. Pero yun nga, eh, parang andaming mga bagong restrictions, like yung mga ombudsman guidelines. So kung mahirap gawin yung ganong investigative story on Duterte's wealth during a pandemic. Mm-mm. So we really rely on official sources to get back to us. They don't exactly have a motivation diba, to to help us with that. Because they're afraid Duterte. What will they do if they sa kanila si Duterte? So the pandemic has really hampered a lot of reporting Mm-mm. because we really depend on Bashula, the reporting, to do a lot of investigative work. Yung sal and issue na yan, nagulat ka pa ba dyan na ganyan na restrict na? Like, hindi yung dahil kunyari dahil may pandemic. Pero yung maraming rules na bago na uh, kasi di ba in the past four years walang ganito like mahirap lang kunin pero ngayon may rule na bigla na-surprise ka ba ba or parang it was bound to happen na? Na-surprise ako sa kablatant ng decision ng Malacanang not to release it kasi they released naman the silence of his cabinet officials eh mm-hmm. so you would think na if they're going to release the cabinet members' sal ends, they would want to avoid the scenario where people will say ah si Duterte lang yung hindi nag-release ng sal ends because si, si VP Robredo also released her salin on, on time. So, in my mind, I was thinking that they wouldn't withhold the salin because napaka-blatant naman yung disregard na yun. But, lo and behold, they actually did. And, parang it doesn't stop them. Hindi sila nahihiya na si Duterte lang yung, yung walang salin. I think it's because they, they, think, they know that yung salin naman, hindi naman siya issue na most Filipinos would care about. Like, it's really um, a certain sector like, yun, yung mga... I guess people who really follow politics, diba? who know even the significance of a salin. But for the average Filipino, wala sa napaki kung may salin ka or wala. Eh. Parang yung news that gets to them is a corruption scandal. Like, ah, ito, nag-brenibe si ganyan or nagbigay ng suhol, ganun. Yun yung mga news na magpapagalit sa kanila. But, you know, withholding a salin, I think Malacanang knows that they can get away with that. And that's sad. Yeah. And siguro, PF, from now on, December 2020, to maybe, I think, December 2021, the next year, Ano dapat yung focus ng administration? And do you still think that they will be able to do it? Given na yung considerations na election season na rin, and yun nga parang may pandemia pa? 
I think definitely they need to get the economy back on track. And the only way, and the ways that they can do that, number one, is a very good recovery package, which mm-hmm. we're not seeing happening anytime soon. Like, we're not seeing the fruits of that. And also, a speedy, effective, efficient vaccine distribution program. Mm-hmm. So, for, for me, yung two things that they need to work on. Because anyway, eh, we saw that the one, one criticism of the government's response was the lockdowns were so painful. And a lot of people are asking, was it necessary for it to be that painful? And maybe cure was worse than the sickness. Because mm-hmm. maybe if the plan was thought out better, we could have done those localized lockdowns instead of those massive lockdowns. Um, na naging strategy or naging well, I wouldn't call it a strategy, but naging parang go-to response, almost a knee-jerk response ng administration na ito. Uh-huh. And Sibir, let's also talk about next year, pa. Pia. What are your hopes and dreams for 2021? And anong gusto mong parang mangyari next year? Well, aside from the obvious, I wish the pandemic will end. Uh-huh. I also hope that next year, which is an election year, diba? Mm-hmm. we're gearing up for yung official campaign season ng 2022 elections, I hope talaga na may lumabas na leader who can really embody what the kind of leadership that we've been lacking all mm-hmm. these years. Kasi, yun nga, the pandemic underlined, I believe, the dire need for a certain leader Yung leader na hindi puro show lang, puro parang pakitang gilas lang na parang mukhang tough and, and decisive. But when shit hits the fan, nasan siya? Bakit wala siyang plano? So parang I, I really feel optimistic that more and more Filipinos are seeing the need for that and the scarcity of that kind of leader. And if there's a leader out there who kind of senses this this feeling among Filipinos, sana mag-stand up siya, diba? And run, run for 2022 elections and, and show Filipinos that, hey, there's this person who is offering themselves up and it's a different leader, maybe a leader we're not used to, maybe someone who's not from a, a political dynasty or someone who isn't show busy or magaling sa, sa jokes or, diba, usually yun yung mga binoboto ng mga tao, yung charismatic, but more than charisma, diba? People need a leader who can actually lead in a time of crisis, mm. uh, knowing that this might not be the last pandemic we'll face in our lifetimes, diba? So, I really, really hope, I really, really hope na we will leave behind our old assumptions of what a leader should be and start to envision a better leader for 2022. And for my last question, I realized that we'll be ending on a scary note. What could be the worst-case scenario that the public should brace for for 2021? The worst-case scenario for 2021, I think, would be the lack of any significant vaccination mm-hmm. in the Philippines. And I think that's actually a realistic, that might actually happen na hindi pa time of vaccinate in a level that will bring back normalcy. So if that happens, different campaign season, we'll have to adjust diba, how we do campaigning and how we inform voters of what candidates are doing, what they're up to. So, malaking challenge yun for media and for the citizenry to preserve our democracy and run it as free as possible despite the pandemic. Ano pang worst-case scenario? Another worst-case scenario is if voters, if Filipinos, continue to vote the same people into power, right? I mean, ibig sabihin nun, the crisis will never end because even if the pandemic will be, will be over like in a few years, if we have, if we continuously vote leaders who are, who are bad and who, who are not competent, then we will always be bowled over by the next crisis. So on that note, uh, medyo scary yung last note natin. Pero we're optimistic na may mangyayari naman siguro yung improvement, especially sa vaccines eh. So thank you, Pia, for joining me today and for giving us this very deep rundown sa 2020 tungkol kay President Duterte. 
you have a podcast, diba? Can you tell us about this podcast and where can the yes. listeners tune in? <laughs> okay, so my podcast is called Seat of Power. Seat as in upuan. Uh. Seat of Power. And ano siya, uh, basically podcast siya about the Philippine presidency. So obviously, it's about Duterte, but it's also about the office of the president. Kasi for me, Malakanyang is about the person who runs it and the office he holds. So uh-huh. it's a very powerful office, and I and I feel that in my podcast, na the dissect and na analyze ko along with my resource persons, my interviewees, kung ano yung mga issues and ano yung mga kailangan mo malaman about the presidency. And yun nga, if gusto nyo ng year end listen, go to Spotify, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, and Anchor. Nandun lahat ng podcast na rapper, including Seat of Power ni Pia. And thank you, listeners, for tuning in. Uh, if you would like to be updated on this and other issues, don't forget to follow the rapper and news breaks on Facebook, but also on Twitter. If you have any topic that you think we should discuss on our podcast, email us at investigative at rapper.com. Again, I am Judas Cavillan, and this is Newsbreak Beyond the Stories.